Welcome to the DNA Show. DNA? Dude, are we doing a science show? No, D is for Dennis. Oh, A is for Andy. And N is for and? Oh, man, nerds. Because we're nerds, dude. Yeah. Well, good. Then we can talk about comics and movies and pop culture and sports. Sports. Sports and nerds. Yeah, we're going to make that work. All right. Let's roll. Well, hello. Welcome to another fine episode of the Dennis and Andy Show. I'm Andy. And I'm Dennis. Welcome back. That, of course, started off with my commercial. I love saying my commercial. Makes me sound so hoity-toity. My commercial for my Indiegogo First Man campaign. That's right. I'm pitching it as I always do. Let's take a look real fast. First Man, my 64-page graphic novel starring my character First Man that I created when I was a wee lad. Um, It's up on Indiegogo right now. I would appreciate any support that you can give. You can get the book itself. Once again, 64 pages, square bound. The book itself is 25 bucks. There are, are multiple tiers where you can get the three book set, which is the book with my cover, the book with the Bart Sears variant cover, and the program book, which is a 40 page additional book, kind of behind the scenes making of, because people like that stuff. It's almost like the after credits of a movie, except it's a separate book. Uh, and that's 75 for all three. So please give it a look. There's a link to the campaign at the bottom of, well, it's right here on the screen, but if you want to cut and paste it, you can do that by going to uh, YouTube and in the description. And I believe on Facebook as well, in the description, there is a link to the campaign. So I would appreciate it if you check it out and support me, the little guy, the indie creator, the small guy. We need your support. It's like small business every day around here it is it is indeed it is so moving on to what we always do yesterday was new comic book day so we're going to go through and share with you the books that we bought this week because dennis and i are still big comic book nerd collectors um maybe more nerd than collector i don't know i mean who really it's both it's 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 all the same it's all yeah, the same. It's all the same. So let's let's go through and tell you guys what we bought. Share our uh, buying experience with you. Oh, that the Dennis pick. I know for sure. Sure is Excalibur. It's starting off. It was a uh, several uh, X books today. Um, yeah, I was gonna say this was a straightforward week. Nothing super exciting came out in terms of brand new first uh, whatever's came out. So Excalibur, good comic. Um, enjoying reading that right now. Nice. Um, uh, Wolverine. I mean, Wolverine. All of this is now taking place after the uh, X of Swords. So, I mean, this is all kind of the fallout moving forward with everything. Um, so, Wolverine, another another solid book. Are they selling his hand? What the hell? What is up with that? Guess you'll have to read it and find <laughs> out. Just like, whoa. I know it looks really cold. It's an cool. auction block, and he's got adamantium. You can't. Well, you can see Captain Adam. America's ruined shield down yeah. there. So. Is that Magneto's helmet? Kind of, kind of intriguing. A piece of metal. We'll find out. Wow. We'll find out. Interesting for sure. Oh, X-Men. Here's the core book. This is the crossover. And what I mean by that is not a story crossover, but this is a book that Dennis and I both bought. Every now and then, we overlap. So Dennis got this. I got it. Um, 
Dennis got it because he's the X-Men guy, gets all the X-Men stuff. I got it because I am collecting a X-Men title. But Brett Booth drew it. And Brett Booth, to me, I, I love Brett's art. He's he's that he's he's a nineties throwback in a way. I've been told I am as well, and I've got no problem with that. I don't nope. think Brett would mind if that's how you classified his work. You know, Brett Booth is from the Jim Lee school and Jim's not putting out monthly stuff. So you know what? To me, Brett has his own style and you can see a little bit of Jim and I think it's really cool. And, you know, he's perfect for yep. X-Men. It's good art. It's really, I enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to reading that. Oh, New Mutants. New Mutants. Yep. Like I said, it was a pretty X-heavy uh, week this week, but uh, all of the X-Books have been, have been pretty solid. All in all, like I said, X of Swords is done. I finished reading it. It was solid. Um, probably a little blown out of, you know, blown up a little too much. I didn't need 22, 24 books out of it. No. But really? No. no. I don't think so. You no. Think, do you really think it could have been just um, X of Swords 6 issue miniseries? And so got the same point. Th this is kind of where I'm going, going with these books now is I really wish they would it would harken back to like the eighties where you knew it was a three, four, six, 12 issue miniseries, And it was it instead of crossing over between all of this and you having to pick up all these books. And it was an interesting story. I enjoyed it. Um, the problem I have is it was, it just didn't need to be that, that big. Plus there were two standalone books that, that were in it. And it, it was just over overblown. It, it, to me, it was more of a money grab, although the story say. was solid. But I guess, because I know what you're saying, you know, back in the 80s, I think, wasn't Wolverine like the first miniseries? Was Wolverine well, the first mean, miniseries? Well, you mean the Miller? Yeah, back in the 80s. Uh, was that the first miniseries? Miniseries, maybe because the first one with multiple superheroes well, that was, was it was it? no, it was Contest of Champions. It was the three issue oh, miniseries. Right, right. Um, but that didn't invade other books. I know that Contest right. of Champions. I don't think did. Well, it was it brought all the superheroes. Right. Together. What I'm saying is you didn't have to buy. You know that month Spider-Man no. had nothing to do with Contest of Champions. Correct. Superhero Secret Wars, though, the Secret first Secret Wars, Wars that had tie-ins. Very few, and they weren't right. necessary for, for the story. Obviously, through that, you had um, Spider-Man, you know, 252, because that was actually the origin of Venom. I mean, that right. really was. That's where, what, where that whole thing spawned out of. Um, so, yeah, they did have moderate, but they weren't necessary tie-ins uh, to it. But it was basically a self-contained 12-issue series. Ahoy, what about? Ahoy. Ahoy, like that one and all. Mohalo, or however you say it. Um, but the thing with the thing with Sword of X, is it Sword of X or X of Swords? X of Swords. The thing with X of Swords is, like you said, it's, it, it was bookended, if I remember right, with a one-shot yes. and a one-shot. And then everything in between was... Basically, you got to buy this many. You know, it all it went through all the X books. Correct. Basically. You had to buy all the X books. So, so yeah, you couldn't you couldn't just buy the first bookend and the last bookend and get the story. You had to buy them all. And you know, I can see the thinking of because let's let's look at Secret Wars. What if what if in the eighties instead of Marvel Superhero Secret Wars being a twelve issue series, what if it was 
Marvel Super Secret Wars number one bookend. Yep. And then it went through other titles, the you know the main titles. Yep. You know, not, you know, not like Marvel Team Up and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, Spider Man, Captain America, whatever. And then it ended with a bookend, so you were still, and you you ended up with basically 12, 15 titles. So as your complaint, like, let's say, so, so X of Swords was about 24 books, right? Right. So I think it was, what, 22 in between and then the two bookends. And so if it was 24 books worth of story that you had to, you had to get realistically. Right. But what, I'm, what my question is, would it have would you be cool with them doing it with the bookends if the stuff in between was only say six issues? So, so was yes. this the fact that it was 24 books? Yes. And it compared was, and to it was saying necessary. you could just do this, a six, but could they have done what, could they have condensed 24 issues worth what? of stuff into six? Maybe not six, but maybe a dozen. Right. I, I, I mean, that's just 24 books of bloat. I mean, the amount of story that was in there that they told when I was done, I actually sat back with the stack of them and I went, this is, they could have easily condensed this. Right. But they're doing it because they want you, you know, if you pick up X-Men Excalibur, oh, yeah, they want you picking up New Mutants and they want you to right. grab, you know, to increase the sales. Right. But what we're seeing in, in the feedback that I'm getting, it's not just in this. It's like Secret Invasion. You start going back through all the oh, big yeah. ones. Civil War. It's just it's all bloat. And, and you know, right. they're just forcing you to buy all of these well, other it's books. Well, not, it's not special anymore. Secret Correct. Wars was special. Right. You know, and Secret if you do Wars it, was – that's why 2 was about. But Secret Wars, right. the original, was great. Uh, let's we got a question. What about says you think MCU X-Men getting introduced via WandaVision? We're going to talk WandaVision tomorrow, but we can give you an answer on that. I've, I'm all caught up on WandaVision episodes one through three. I know Dennis's as well. Yep. Um, and then I don't the, know, the new one's tonight. Yeah, the new one's tonight. Tomorrow morning. So we'll, we'll, we'll hit it on it tomorrow on my, the show. My brief answer to that question is, I don't know. I've seen people say that there were Easter eggs in like episode three, and I didn't catch any. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do that. My, to me, it would seem to make better – like I could see quick, something with Quicksilver in it my, as a guess. My gut feeling is I don't think personally it's going to be a direct lead-in to X-Men, but I bet she winds up like in House of M. She winds up doing something that opens up the door right. into the Doctor Strange movie, which will then allow the creation or – the the merging with the X Men universe into this. I don't know if it'll be a direct tie from Wandavision, but I think it'll open a door. I don't even know why they need to do it that way instead of just introducing. You know how they after Iron Man uh, they set up Thor because Thor's Asgard, blah blah blah, and then you know set up Peter Parker. Well, so I don't understand why they have to go through all this to set up the X Men because the X Men were in a completely different universe. Yeah, but they, but they, my they point isolated. is, but my point is, you're talking about the Fox movies, right? Right. Yeah, but my point is, why don't why not just trash all that garbage and start new? Well, because it's not like they're pulling in those one, actors. Half of them were really good. Half of them were garbage. So you can't, you can't just do that. Yeah, but that they're not going to pull it. Okay, so the ones you're talking about are good. I have a is feeling. Is Deadpool coming over? Yes. 
Yeah, but Deadpool is so recent, and Ryan Reynolds can still play that role. You're not going to get a Famke J- Jansen, J- whatever her name Correct. is, as Phoenix. I agree. None of those actors are going to be playing the X-Men. So to me, it doesn't – I don't know. We'll see. I hope that answers your question. Uh, we'll talk more about it. You do believe Mark Strong would make a perfect Professor X? Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Mark Strong was a great Sinestro, honestly. Yeah. He just, you know, he was. He was a good Sinestro. He's a, he's a great actor. It was the only good thing about the movie. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, you know, I'm not going to argue. All right, so back to this. So you got New Mutants, which reminded me I did not pick it up, and that's the one book my daughter reads. So it looks Uh-oh. like, it looks like I'll be store. going back to the store. Oh, this is another one of mine, Dark Detective. I got Dark Detective because I do like Batman, but more than not, uh, if you're new to the show, I buy books because of art more than anything else because I'm an artist. Uh, And I love Dan Moore's artwork. I first discovered it on a book called Klaus that came out through Boom Studios. Then he did some Power Rangers stuff, and now he's doing stuff for DC, and I just I love his work. So... I bought the first Future State Dark Detective. I thought it was a pretty good read. Uh, I'm very interested to see where it goes. So obviously I picked up number two for the art. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? What about says that could have it where Thanos finger snap? Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways they could bring the X-Men in. Yep. I hear you. Or instead of saying no more no more mutants, she'll, yeah. she'll, she'll create mutants. Or as they're – we'll talk about it tomorrow. Dark Detective is cool. I, yes. I give a thumbs up to Dark Detective just for the art alone, but the story is actually pretty good. So I, I give it a thumbs up. Let's see what else we got. Dune. Dune, Dune so is a dead spot. I, I'm telling you, I, I'm I'm picking these up. Now that I've got the first four, that's what I said originally, I decided not to even read it until I at least had the first four issues in hand. Um, just in case I wound up not liking it, this way I had to buy all four, and I'm going to read it. So, so it's just the four shoe miniseries. Uh, no, I, th- I think it is going to. I at least want. I want oh, a certain oh. amount of story before I'm going to give the thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah, but what if you read issue one, you're like garbage. Then now you actually have now two, I'm still going to read two, three, and four to see if they can redeem. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So I did pick up all four. Um, we'll probably do a review on that probably in the next week or two. Um, right. I'll read it now and I'll let Andy borrow it and see what see what he thinks of it. So very excited about that. All right. All right. This comes later in the show. So, so let's get back to us. Speaking of DC, big news came up. I'm going to let you talk about it. But Brian Bendis no longer exclusive at DC Comics. No. What that, is up uh, with that? That was, I'm going to share the screen here. Uh, hold on here. I love showing comments, even if it's from the same person. It shows that you care and you're interacting with us. So we will show your comments to interact back. 80s movie can put you to sleep. Good. You know, Dennis asked me before the show if I watched Dune from the 80s. And I did, but I watched it when it came out. So when it came out, 83? Yeah, it was early 80s. So when it came out, I was like 13 years old. And I'll be honest, I don't really remember it at all. When I also asked you if you read the novels, and he goes, novels? I I doesn't have pictures? I hardly let that off because (laughs) novels, novels don't have pictures I can look at. So no, I did not read that movie for its time period was Sting, you know, and stuff in it. 
that really was a classic movie. I mean, you look at it today and you just can't, it won't hold the candle. But at its time, it was really interesting. Kyle McLaughlin, yeah, it was a good movie. For See, when I think of Dune, I think of Tremors. Oh. <laughs> I do. As soon as oh somebody says God, Dune. My wife should be listening to this right now somebody that's says, her favorite movie. As soon as somebody says Dune, my first thought is Tremors with the oh, Spice's life. Anyhow, so Bendis is no longer exclusive at DC. So... Yeah. To recap, in 2018, the big news broke. This was a two-page ad right here that they they put in the comics with the Superman font. Bendis is coming. And obviously, he was going to write Superman, uh, Action Comics Superman. I think they started off with a a six-issue Man of Steel, kind of harkening back to John Byrne's Man of Steel in the 80s, except this was written by Bendis. And... Uh, the cool thing they did was each issue of Man of Steel was drawn by a different artist, and they had the heavy hitters. They had Ivan Rice. They had, and this is in no particular order of the six issues, Ivan Rice, Adam Hughes, Jason Fabok, uh, Kevin McGuire. Um, oh, my God, I'm blanking on a couple of the other ones now. But it was, it, I bought that as a trade paperback just because, once again, all those artists knock my socks off. You know, I read it. it it's, you know, Bendis has a specific writing style. So, But when Bendis came over, it. didn't he bring a whole bunch of talent? With and him? Yeah, and when Bendis came over, he brought Matt Fraction, Chip Zdarsky, Kelly Sue DeConnick. Uh, those are writers. On the art side, he brought Alex Maleev, David Mack, and then another writer, David F. Walker. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't know what. And I'm not a huge you know, I don't buy a ton of comics. I don't know what Chip wrote, Zdarsky wrote for DC. I know Kelly Sue did Aquaman, and I love Aquaman, but I got to be honest, her run did nothing for me. It was, uh, I don't know. I just, I didn't enjoy it. I, I tried reading a couple issues of it, and I just put it back, stopped buying it. Not my cup of tea. But, you know, to get off the Bendis thing, when Aquaman came back in 2008, or so under the the writing of Jeff Johns and Art of Ivan Rice. That was some ballsy stuff, man. They made like his Aquaman was always that character. And by the way, we do tangents on this show. Um Aquaman was always a character that people laughed at. So they're like, oh you can talk to fish. That's all you can do. But you've got to think of and I I, I believe I got this from John Byrne. I don't know if I've ever told you this before, Dennis, but John Byrne's always like, you really can't have a superhero with just one power. And and this is this is my explanation of that. And the explanation goes like this. Let's say magically I get super strength, right? Okay. So I get super strength. Okay. So okay, I go outside and I'm like, I test it. So I bend down and with one arm, I I basically curl up one end of a card okay so it's angled right yep okay cool but if all i have is super strength and no invulnerability at all i might have muscle strength to lift that card but very well it could break my arm right you know what i'm saying so so let's say i lift the tank i got the tank over my head for like two seconds before the tank crushes me yes because your bones are strong enough right right so so you know, with Aquaman, yeah, he can he can talk to fish telepathically, but 
he is rock hard because he can go down to the farthest depth of the ocean. He went into the Mariana trenches. Right. And he can't and he won't be crushed. You know, so that yep. means bullets can certain caliber bullets bounce off. Them. See now in Aquaman, the new fifty-two run, I really enjoyed that one because they poke he poked fun of himself. Yeah. And it was it was almost a parody onto itself, but they did it in a very fun, meaningful way. I always enjoyed that. That was probably, in my opinion, the best Aquaman was ever written. Yeah, no, it was good stuff. But you know, when Kelly Sue did it, it just it, it really wasn't my cup of tea. So I bounced on out. Anyhow, back to Bendis. So Bendis comes over to write Superman. Uh, at the time, uh, the president of DC Comics was Diane, Diane Nelson, and I think he was one of her last big hires before she was. Uh, she basically she had one go. foot out the door already, yeah. and she his was the big exclusive deal that she brought in right. literally right before she left. And. You hire somebody like Brian Michael Bendis. Now, it doesn't say this in this article. I mean, it, it alludes to the fact that he was getting paid um, really well, of it, course. It doesn't say what he was paid, but we've word, heard rumors. Word on the street, he was getting $1,000 a page. Now, look, I'm a comic book professional. I've been doing it for 30 years. That's a For writing comics, that is a huge, huge rate. I mean, twenty-page book, thousand bucks. He's making twenty grand a month to write Superman. I don't think the sales backed it up from the. If you just look at the the spreadsheet when the sales coming in, because you know you got to pay their artists, which I believe was Ivan Rice, and I know Ivan is one of DC's top talents. So you include Ivan in the anchor, and those guys are probably pushing close to that range with their combined rates, yeah. right? So let's just lowball it and say. Let's say Brian was making a thousand. Let's say Ivan and the anchor combined were seven hundred. Yep. Right. That's seventeen hundred a page. You roll in coloring and lettering. Yep. You can basically say you're two grand a page. So you're right there. You're forty grand a book in expenses. Okay. I just can't see Superman selling enough. Well, to they, make that worthwhile. They were expecting the numbers to skyrocket and right. to be it, and it it did a, a little bump. And that it wasn't, it, it didn't justify it. It just didn't. And that's probably the problem today is, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, I mean, you had books that, I mean, you're good, you're solid books, 100,000, 200,000. You had some, your million, your million uh, uh, books. Now, I mean, yeah, a good then. one's 50,000. Well, there were deals back in the 90s, in the boom time of the 90s, uh, like early, mid 90s. Marvel was cutting deals to creators, and I know the creators, I'm not going to mention them, but I know the numbers, I'll mention those. Marvel was cutting deals to, I don't know about writing, I only know from the art side, because that's what I do. Marvel was cutting deals to creators for like 40 grand a book, to draw a book. And then, you know, a book's 20 pages, so you do the math, division-wise, that's what their page rate is. Yeah. And those guys were doing 8 to 10 books a year. You know, and some guys were making 25 grand a book, and some guys were making 15 grand a book. Yep. You know, depending on who you were. Um, and, you know, I have a pretty nice page rate when I do work for Marvel and DC. It's not up into that category, but it's enough for me to make a living if I just drew one book a month. And if I did pencil and inks on a book uh, on a monthly basis, I'd, I'd make more and I'd have really nice, comfortable living. Point is, I don't fault Bendis, obviously. If somebody 
offers him a thousand page and he's like sold. I mean, look, if somebody came up to me and offered me a thousand a page in the back of my mind, I might be thinking, wow, I know what your books sell. That's probably not economically feasible, but if you're going to pay it, I'm going to take it. Yep. But like you said, the sales didn't spike. There wasn't that big spike. He did it for a few years. And with the AT&T merger, buying Warner Brothers, who of course the parent so company that was in DC. June of nine, uh, June of 2018. Right. And they, we already kind of knew that was going to be a really big question mark for DC Comics. Right. And and we're we're, we're seeing the fallout of that. All the well, exclusives are, are going away. And the exclusives are going. A lot of the good talent. The Francis Manipal is gone from DC. Yep. And he was actually supposed to be working on, you know, the Earth One graphic novel yep. they did. They started with Superman and so on and so forth. He was working on an Aquaman one. I think he started it a few years back. That's now shelved. Francis is gone. You know, um, the Shane Davis, who did the first Superman Earth One graphic novel, he's not with DC. He's doing his own stuff with Indiegogo. Yeah. Um, Kenneth Rogafort is launching a project tomorrow on Indiegogo, and he was a big big deal at DC. Um, you know, and then you just look at their line consolidation, they're doing the future state stuff now. And then after future state, their line is going to be cut down even more. And from the standpoint of not even doing uh, a lot of monthly books for $3.99, but more along the lines of you know, here's a Batman book that's $5.99 and you'll have a main Batman story with a backup story. Yeah. And then here's a, another book and I'm just throwing this out, you know, like a, a Wonder Woman book that might be eight bucks, you know, $7.99 that has a lead Wonder Woman and then two backup stories, you know. So they're, they're going from like, you know, 40, 50 books a month to, you know, maybe half of that. And... You know, well, from the sounds, it sounds like they're going to get down to like 13 books is what they're ultimately I, I, trying to get down to. And AT&T just doesn't look like they're in the, I think. They're so not this, in the this, comic business. Well, this was the running joke. And this was the running joke even in the 90s. I remember talking to people at DC in the 90s who they're not there anymore. But I remember them saying Warner Brothers, who, you know, is the parent company of DC Comics looks at DC Comics as a tax write-off. So basically, you know, you own a company and to, to help save money on your taxes, and, you know, say you own a company and you literally just do the one thing, you make widgets, right? And you're making tons of widgets. Okay. And you're making tons of money off the widgets. Yeah. But, you're, but because of all that money, you're paying a lot in taxes, right? Okay. So you go, well, how can I save money in, in paying taxes? Well, what if I make a, what if I branch out and make, you know, what's it, what's something smaller than widgets? I don't even know. I'm trying to think of another company. Well, a widget can be any size, so it can literally so be what, in any. But what the widget company says, you know what, we're going to make this other product. A mini widget. A mini widget. And the thing is, oh my God, it's losing us $200,000 a year. It's better to pay that $200,000 and take it as a loss on your taxes than not do it at all. Well, the, the biggest issue is it's intellectual property, 
And yes, they're they're losing money, but you need that intellectual property in order to keep movies going and and to keep moving forward with their different things because the movies are what's going to make money, not the comics anymore. Because again, once they raise the prices and continuously do it, that's kind of where why the comic industry has really done this in terms of, I mean, today alone, you know, it's I'm averaging 30, 35, sometimes 40 bucks a week for books. And a lot of guys aren't going to do that. They're just not going to do it. Right. You know, they, they'll, they'll pick up one or two comics now instead of the six or eight that they used to when they were 99 cents or a buck 50. Well, give that your, your wife does money accounting stuff. Give, give her my widget analogy and see if it makes sense. If it doesn't, come back and talk. Because I draw comics for a living. I'm not a math guy and I pay an accountant. But from what I know, for a long time, the joke was Warner Brothers looks at DC as a nice tax write-off. Yep, and they, so, they aren't anymore. And the way it was explained to me, it made sense. And right now, AT&T's in going, yeah, we don't really need to do that. But like you said, I think I think a year from now, DC is going to look so much different with the amount of yeah. stuff they put out. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if Marvel follows suit. And we're seeing the shrinking of the entire industry right now. Um, really, Mar- Marvel's still bloated. But, I mean, with, with the way the books are going, well, that's why a lot of your independents, instead of going to Boom and Dynamite, although some of them are, some of your you know bigger indie studios, you know, they're, they're doing Indiegogo and stuff, and we're, we're getting fans out there. Yeah, and, you know, the thing with Marvel, the only difference I see with Marvel is, they built up such a monster with the MCU, you know, with the movies and stuff that DC hasn't been able to do yet. Correct. I mean, DC's put out. I mean, Marvel what? Marvel think, Marvel's movies are the best, and they've created that. Well, not that. What I've seen, but with Endgame, that was like their twenty-second movie, I believe. Right. DC's what? DC, you can count right. on one hand. But but, right? it, but it's hands. the DCEU, which is just isn't. They they couldn't do it. Their bread and butter was the animated series. Right. DC cannot put out a bad animated series just about. You know, Marvel's great for the cinema movies, but their animated series, with the exception of X-Men, really haven't been that great, whereas DC's just the opposite. Their movies haven't been great, but their animated series has. What about says, hail the indies. I agree. Have you heard of my book, First Man? Check it out in the links or... Just copy this right here and go back my project. We, we, we love indie books. As a matter of fact, um, we're at the end of here. We're going to review um, Cyberfrog, something that I haven't been uh, privy to. And what we're talking about doing is there's so many interesting books, and we always wind up being bogged down with Marvel and DC titles. But Andy and I were just talking about what maybe we'll start doing is you know, I already talked to my comic shop guy today, and I'm going to start pulling out. Um, for example, I, I bought uh, Cyberpunk 2077, four-issue miniseries. I read that and really enjoyed it. I'm going to do a review. I'm letting Andy borrow it to read it. And I think we're going to start reviewing more indie titles and stuff like that, um, you know, because everybody can go down to a local comic shop, which which is good, and pick up Marvel and DC stuff. And but, you know, there's some really good art and stories being told that just don't get recognition. So, you know, as we grow, maybe we can help the indie uh, comic guys grow. Yep. All right. Next up, uh, Dennis, you remember back in 80s 
DC did that call in to say if you want to kill Robin or not. <laughs> yep, and it was a 900 number, and I had to pay, uh, what was it? I believe it was 99 cents a call. So I remember walking up to my parents, laughing down $20, and said, You called 20 times? I did. I, I hated him so bad. Oh, 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 absolutely. Oh, I was one of them that did. So, yes, I, I spent 20 bucks to, to vote Robin gone. Well, Marvel's getting into the action with um, – oh, i got to find my mouse. There it is. Marvel's getting into the action with you can vote. Cast your vote for the X-Men's final member. Dun, 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 dun. So the question is, why do they need to do that? Well, why? after X of Swords, you know, Cyclops and Jean sit down, and as they're discussing everything, they realize with Krakoa and Araka all coming together, the two islands, although they're not totally together, they've got all of these new mutants. And now when you say come together, you don't mean the islands are somehow merging themselves. They were supposed to. They actually came in. Ah, that is not true. These islands can move because they're both sentient mutants. Okay. And there it was a it was a pretty interesting ending and what, what was wished for in it. And it, it was it was like I said, a pretty cool ending. But now we've got a lot more mutants than we've ever had because all the mutants came into this world from the other place and now we've got to be able to protect all of these extra mutants so cyclops and gene gray basically said we need a new x-men team that's now going to protect the new mutant nation of krakoa and you know they they're going to go out and fight on all of the mutant kinds should we you know, watch this little trailer thing here i don't know if that one works let's find out uh, it's just totally Hellfire Gala. I know. Can I get a ticket to the Hellfire Gala? Might be able to. I would like that. All right. So there's 10 different X-Men. So they've got the X-Men team apparently picked out all except for the last member. So what, what do we get? It's our choice. They've given us 10 members that are potential uh, candidates to be the final member of the new X-Men. And we'll kind of go through them. And uh, I know Andy's already made his pick. I have. Let me just do something else here real fast. Is that the... I just want to see... Oh, it took me to... I can just hit the back button. Oh, wait. Here's how you vote. Yeah, my, my, it didn't come up. I didn't show up on yours. Okay, so here, these are the ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're in different order, but well, um, it, it's like okay. This. So we've got armor. She's that chick to basically create that red armor type stuff around her. Yep, she creates a basically like a force field. She's she grew on me over the years. I, I wasn't overly fond of her at the beginning, but she did kind of grow on me. Um, Banshee. Now I grew growing up in the '80s. I I the X Men I loved was the John Byrne era. Yes, loved the Banshee. Um, until they took his power away. I pissed me yes. off because I loved his costume as a kid. Sean Cassidy being an Irishman the way he is, it was a cool story. The castle related to Black Tie. I mean, yep. there, there, was, there was so much good. I mean, the story was good. He's a great character. Now, he had died. Then he right. came back as a zombie. Right. 
and now now he's back to he's back. being he's he back power, as yeah. is regular and yes you know and that's where they brought in siren and you know we really didn't need another van gs type person boom boom eh. boom boom was she was kind of like jubilee but even even less utilized than, jubilee than, gone than what, or no 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 okay she's a vampire totally Kid, different oh, story okay Cannonball. Um, I like Cannonball. He's cool. Sam Guthrie's cool. Um, he's always been. His powers are the same. He's always been an interesting, steadfast. I've always liked him in the New Mutants. Forge. Always like Forge. Yes. So that's cool. Marrow. I think Marrow's kind of cool. Marrow, back when we were dealing with the Morlocks, she was really integral into the Morlocks storyline and was very a very interesting, again, I think, somewhat underutilized character at the time but she was pretty cool uh polaris polaris is polaris. was with when her and havoc got together it's polaris polaris <laughs> this is why you you draw comics and you don't write them do you know for the longest time do you know I, I i've got no problem making fun of myself for the longest time i know the word hyperbole Right. I know. When I hear it, I go, I know what that means. Hyperbole. Okay. But when I saw it written down, I pronounced it hyperbole. hyperbole. Of course you did. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were. I was going around. Too. I was going around saying hyperbole, and finally, a couple of my friends, we were out at dinner one night, and I, I was saying hyperbole, and my friends are like, "You mean hyperbole?" And I go, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, "Hyperbole." And I go, "Yeah, I know what that word is." They're like, "That's what you're saying." I'm like, "No, I'm not." And they're like, spell it. So I spelled it out on a napkin. They're like, yeah, that's hyperbole. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> hyperbole, hyperbole, Polaris, ah, interchangeable. Strong guys oh. on the list. Or is that strong? No, it's strong guy. <laughs> Sunspots on the list. I don't even know who the hell Tempo is. Tempo, she was with the uh, Mutant Liberation Front. And she used to be bad guy. Let's put it that way, bad girl. And not not so much now. Not not one of my faves. So that's it. That's the ten. So you get to vote, um, and it's now through uh, February second. I love how that we have the same screen up, and you don't have this vote thing. Nope, I can't vote for some reason. Well, I'm going to cast my vote right now. Which who are you voting for? I'm going strong guy. Well, I'm clicking done. I'm going to tell you why I went strong guy. All right. In a brief second, while I'm doing that, Dennis will tell us his vote. So uh, I had it narrowed down to three as soon as I saw the list. You know, um, Banshee's always been kind of one of my favorites. And that's a good one. That would have been my second choice. Polaris is when she was with Havoc, it was some of my favorite stories. You know, back in, you know, around X-Men 55 and in that era. Um, and then Strong Guy. And he was always kind of the smart aleck, witty guy, especially in X, X Factor and stuff like yep, that. Yep. So I liked those three were my hands-on favorites. I am, when I can actually push the button and vote, I am going, I have decided Polaris. Really? Yes. And it's really between those three and... Her and Banshee, just I love them from the original days, but I just haven't seen a lot of enough of Polaris. I would like to see her brought in and made useful, not just be another Magneto type person, because it depends on how she's written, how how they do her. Just give me that, that eye candy. I, 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 she's, she's good. 
She's good. So this is why I'm voting strong guy. That's right. Strong guy reborn. This is from about 25 years ago, 24, 25 years ago. I drew this book. It was written by my buddy Todd DeZago. Uh, I drew it. My buddy Art Tabear inked it. And this is my love for Strong Guy. So that is it. That's why I'm choosing Strong Guy. I wish he was big and goofy and drawn like this again. But they normalized him. So whatever. That's what they did. I don't know. I kind of like that version of him. Yeah. So do I. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a fun character. He's 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 got that wit about him. So, again, he was on my list. Had I known you had drawn him... You know, for that, I might have changed my vote, but too late is Polaris. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's too late. Can't change my vote now, can I? Nope. Fine. Can, you can only vote once. Fine. All right. So moving on. One second here. We get to review a book this week. That's right. So Andy wound up getting um, um, Cyberfrog. Now, I'm going to admit I do not have a background. I've never read Cyberfrog. Um, he had picked it up from uh, Ethan's um, Indiegogo, and he had gotten it in. And he, I know he enjoyed it. We'll talk about it. So he loaned it to me so I could read it. So we're here to talk about it. Cyberfrog Blood Honey. This is the actual book. Let me go back to a, a nice full screen right there. This is my copy. I went with the black and white cover because I love artwork so much. This is uh, Cyberfrog. is created by Ethan Van Skyver. He's a friend of mine. He, uh, you'll probably know Ethan's name from, I guess he's most famous for Green Lantern Rebirth. He did Flash Rebirth. He broke out on his own to bring Cyberfrog back. A creation that he, he originally made in a mid-90s. It was his foray into independent comics before he broke in at DC Comics and then went to Marvel and stuff. So he did an Indiegogo campaign for Cyberfrog Blood Honey. Uh, that was a couple years ago because uh, the next campaign was uh, the sequel to this, which is Cyberfrog Wreck Planet, which comes out uh, the beginning of the summer this year, which I'm anxiously looking forward to because I really enjoy uh, Blood Honey. So, yeah, we thought, what the hell? I read it. I really liked it. I was like, it's time to do a review. So we're going to review uh, uh, Cyberfrog Blood Honey. So now I have no background on it. So, you know, I've never read Cyberfrog, didn't know anything about it. So for me, the first thing when I pick up a book like that is I'm going to look at the artwork. And I loved the artwork. So, you know, with Ethan's penciling, and then I know Kyle uh, Ritter, he Kyle did, Ritter did the colors. The colors. And I mean, what a great combination. This book popped. I mean, I loved it. Even on like this picture, you know, it takes place in 1998. I love just how he did it, the detail on it, um, the color scheme. I mean, it visually immediately picked, a, picked up for me. So I got I kind of flipped through it before I read it because I just always have to look at the artwork first and loved it. I love that. So I couldn't wait to, to kind of dive in on it. Yeah, and I got it. You know, I got it to support my buddy. I also got it because I never read Cyberfrog before. It was the first time reading the book. Um, so I, I want to read it. And, you know, we're not going to give away too many spoilers because we want you to read it as well. But the gist is uh, this cybernetic 
being leaves their home planet to come to Earth and is wants to prepare Earth by creating two new protectors for Earth from this oncoming invasion. And it just so happens where this this being lands to create these new heroes, there are no Earthlings, no humans around. So he ends up creating uh, Cyberfrog and Salamandroid, which I thought was really cool. And, uh, you know, because it's a different take. Instead of seeing yep. your, your regular superhero flying around, Ethan went with, you know, Cyberfrog. Um, so thought that was that was cool. Well, the thing I, I minimized the screen. The thing I liked about it was you've got again not having background in, in in Cyberfrog. It starts off telling kind of the origin of Cyberfrog, how they came to Earth, how they kind of came to being, and I was like, oh, really cool. So I don't need to go immediately purchase everything. Just to, I can pick this book up and immediately be you know know enough. To understand what's going on, I, well, I appreciated that, and that's where the 1998 comes in because Ethan basically takes the book in the first chapter and he breaks it down into chapters, which I also thought was pretty cool. So it starts off chapter one. Once you get to chapter two, it's a full page. It's just black. It says chapter two. You go on to three, chapter four, um, and it does. It start the story itself does start in the 90s because that's when Ethan created the character. And then as the story moves on, you get to 1998. So you get to that progression and Ethan does some cool stuff where uh, the the main female character, oh my God, I'm blank on her name. Uh, Heather. Heather. Yep. It is Heather. Yeah, it's yeah. Heather Swain. Heather Swain, the, the main female character in the book is actually watching the Bill Clinton uh, impeachment stuff or when Bill was testifying, whatever. It's just... It, it's a nice visual to take you back that, to that time period. Um, so this is obviously what I'm showing. Here's another page from the book. Uh, I don't believe any of these are in order, which is fine. Did I, did I pass that one? No, that's the, that's the next one. Okay. So, yeah, so this is the next is the Heather. Right, but this yep. is, for instance, in the... In the swampy area where Cyber Frog is is born and created, and Salamandroid as well, it's just beautiful art. You know, like Dennis said, uh, Ethan's art is very highly detailed. Yeah, um, lots of rendering. He does good lighting stuff. He put he really puts the work in. You know, if he's drawing trees in the background, he details up the trees in the background. Uh, it's 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 his style. It works for him because that's the style that he's he's created with his work you know for my work it would just look it, it would look weird because i have a different style than that um the the one thing that i would point out and for, for me the only issue that i had with the book at all there's heather kind of on that page it, it's it's the lettering um and in some of it when the computer's actually up speaking and stuff like that for me, that font was a little, little bit difficult to read. That is literally going to be my only nitpicky point about the in, entire book. I think it looked beautiful, and then, um, you know, the 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 enemies, the bee, the hives, the way he draws Vispas. them. Yes, the vispas. I yes. hope I'm saying that right. Which I, I Andy and I were talking. I, I think it's kind of like in Dungeons and Dragons. 
draw or drow, you know, because they're, they're spelt and he's got the some very unique. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm trying to remember now because I've heard Ethan pronounce it before and I'm trying to recall Vespas. I think it's the Vespas. Oh, and I, I pronounce it Vespas. You know what? Draw, draw, potato, that's, that's, potato. That's all, that's all your uh, hyperbole, Dennis. Yes. It's just yes. your hyperbole yes. coming into this. There we go. See? Now, and then he really, the, the, He's got a really great picture of, uh, like I said, Heather Swain. Um, I mean, that's just beautiful art. I mean, that is just actually fantastic. So I actually would actually have to go find out if he ever did a really good picture of Jean Grey as Dark Phoenix because, I mean, I, I just looking at that, <laughs> I, I think he would do fantastic with it. Yep, that's a nice shot. This is a nice introductory shot of the character. This is what I like, too. Ethan's sensibilities when it comes to page layout. And my sensibilities are kind of the same, which is, you know, you have a nice anchor image on the page and an anchor, an anchor image or, you know, the big splash image. Obviously, not every page is going to have it, but you know what? It's comic books. And instead of seeing three, this is a three panel page. Instead of seeing this with three equal size panels, it's like, look, I'm introducing a character. It has to be a female character. This book is probably be bought by more dudes than chicks. And, you know, when I'm drawing a book, if I can draw a big chick on a page, I do it. Yep. If if first man, my character's on a page, and there's no female on the page, I'll try to do a big shot of him. It's comics, man. Yep. And then even even with Salamandroid, I mean, just the detail, and he just looks cool. He looks cool. If you were just telling me out front, hey, I got this character named that, I'd be like, really, Salamander? Once you see that, I mean, this is just, this is cool. This yeah. is really it's, interesting stuff. I told nice. Andy that I enjoyed it so much that, and, and he let me know about the second part that's going to be coming up. I know I'm going to be doing it, but this also then brought me into checking out, um, uh, he's got Rainbow the Brute well, that's coming up. Before we get to Rainbow Brute, what okay. Cyberfrog 2 is, uh, and I don't mean Cyberfrog 2 is in Wreck Planet. I mean, with Cyberfrog. Blood honey. Blood honey. So the basic story is, so now you have Cyberfrog, you've got Salamandroid, you still have the parental-type cybernetic figure that created these two that is pretty much hanging out in the swamp. And they need to protect Earth from this invasion of the Vespas, which are these really huge, cool-looking bee-type creatures. Um, and Salamandroid's role is to kind of look after Cyberfrog. Well, yeah, his, his mother basically says you need to protect him at all costs. Right. So the big brutish one's gonna, gonna, yeah, it was kind of interesting. I could see mother saying that. You got the big football player, you need to protect. And he's huge. Little guy. Like in comparison, Salamandroid is drawn and he's he's just huge compared to Cyberfrog. Like Cyberfrog is, you know, you could say basically human size. Well, Salamandroid is probably like he, he claws up the side of a wall and basically destroys it. Yeah, Salamandroid is like three, four times the size, so it's really a nice visual difference as well, design-wise. And then Cyberfrog strikes up a relationship with Heather, so they become friends. And basically, the story, without giving too much away, because we want you to read it, there's four chapters, I believe, in the book. It's a 48-page book. The story takes you from the beginnings in the 1990s all the way to the present. 
Yep. And cyber frog basically wakes up in the present because of something that happens to him. No spoilers. And he goes to track down Heather. And when he does, he finds that Heather now has a child. Her life well. has changed. Her life has changed. And it's a great cliffhanger ending. It is. That is going to go into Wreck Planet, the second one, which is on Indiegogo. So if you want to get Blood Honey, the first one, you have to go to Ethan's store on eBay. And if you want to get Wreck Planet, you can go to Indiegogo, just type in Ethan's name or Cyberfrog, and you'll find the campaign. And you can still buy it on Indiegogo. Comes out in the summer. Well, we always do a CGC grade, basically, of, of any book there or movie that we review. Um, I'm going to say I enjoyed that thoroughly. I said my little my little nitpicks were small on this. This was an enjoyable book. I I liked it so much. Um, we'll talk about that in just a second. But I, I'm going to give it a 9.0. Um, I thought it was a really good – it, it was interesting enough where – I'm interested in this character now, so I will probably be back in his uh, his future ones just so I can see what happens. Yeah, I'd go with 9.0 on it. The thing I the thing I like about it too, and the thing that the the publishing model that most people are used to is monthly books. They're used to you know DC and Marvel and Dark Horse and you know all the companies, and this isn't a bad thing, but they all have it down to go to the shop every four weeks, pick up. The monthly book you know and what and this is what i'm doing with my first man campaign this is what ethan's doing this is what a lot of guys are doing with indiegogo with their campaigns is they're doing thicker books you know 48 pages or more and they're coming out pretty much once a year maybe every nine months but more likely than not once a year which is kind of a european model because over in Europe, they put out albums, and the albums are about the same size, 48 to 64 pages. The difference is they're hardcover, but they come out basically once a year. So when I got to then the Cyber Frog Blood Honey, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to wait a few more months before the second one. But you know that going in. So yeah. it wasn't it, – it, we're not advertising, hey, come back next month, because we are, we are the company. You know, Ethan is owner of his company, All Caps Comics, and he is a writer, the penciler, the inker. He's also the editor and has to work with the colorist and the letterer and the printer. And that's pretty much what I'm doing with First Man is uh, I did the bulk of the writing. I'm working with a good buddy of mine on the scripting, but I'm penciling and inking it. I have to work with the colorist and deadlines and stuff and the letterer and the printer. So, you know, it takes a lot more time, but it's a lot more rewarding and a lot more fun. Well, and that's kind of what brings me up to this. I enjoyed it enough where Andy goes, did you see his his Rainbow the Brute? And I'm like, not heard of that one. Sent me the link, popped it open, and I watched the, he did a little video for it. And then I, I saw this and I just started laughing. I'm like, oh my God, this looks so fun. This looks like a totally fun book. And again, you know, it's, it's Ethan. And then I see Kyle Ritter's doing the ink and same same guy that color, did that color color my my apologies yeah, colorist you're right um it looks like a great combo so i i've already went on last night and backed uh that one and then i bought the one with stallions uh as well so anyway this is a very unique and anyway i the more that we do this i think we want to bring in more indie books um yeah. that we can do a review and and take a look there's some really great artwork um and great stories being told and 
I think we just want to, you know, be able to get the word out a little bit more. Yep. Yes, indeed. Hail the brute. Exactly. Hail the brute. Hail the brute. Yeah, Rainbow Brute, a fun story. Basically, Ethan's taking uh, some more of the girl-centric toys from the 80s and uh, trying to man them up a bit. And uh, it's just going to be a fun farcical. Is that the right word for it, maybe? Sure. It's a father and son. I mean, father and son. It's a father and son story. Uh, Basically, Rainbow Brute. Uh, impregnated uh, Polly Pocket because, as Ethan says, you know, they only bend at the waist. Yep. And uh, she, uh, he didn't know it, and she had this boy son, and he tracked down his dad, and they have to go on an adventure to get these two orbs back. Yep. So it, it'll be interesting. Like I said, it looks cool. I, I already backed it, and I, it's, it's going to be worth it. So. It should be a fun book. Tomorrow we're gonna do um, we're gonna do a remote one, um, and we're gonna be discussing Wandavision. Yep. And um, I'm gonna try and watch the new one comes out like 12:01 tonight. So I'm gonna try and get up early before before I have to head out to the gym in order to watch the fourth one, so that we can uh, enc- encapsulate all four of them, and and we'll see what's going on in the world of Wandavision. Hey, what's up, Eric? Thanks for joining, but we are actually signing off. So, uh, <laughs> Eric, I totally appreciate you always joining the streams. You're going to have to go back to watch this one. We've rolled for about an hour, and that's our time. So tomorrow, like Dennis said, we'll be on live. We don't know the time yet, probably around 4 o'clock. We'll go live with a, a quick show about WandaVision. So until yeah. then. Well, I was going to say, before, back we, before we go, if you want to catch the whole thing, I'll have it up on YouTube in just a little while, and then I'll set it up on podcast. Um, it's on YouTube right now. Well, but I'm saying you can go back and watch the entire thing live as soon as we click in. It'll be on yeah. our Facebook page or the YouTube. Yep. And then if you just want to listen to audio, subscribe to iTunes and SoundCloud, and you can get the audio version. Yep. So until tomorrow, bye, guys. See you, everybody. Live long and prosper. Until next week, grab your 3D glasses. Get your favorite comic books, roll them up, and put them in your back pocket the way you should treat comics. Throw your pigskin up on the mantle. This is Dennis. This is Andy. Later, Later friends. friends.